Aren't you glad that you got out of bed this morning? We want to welcome those online and we want to welcome those who are joining us from our Albion Extension. It is a good day to be in church. It really is. If this is your first time visiting at the Father's house, man, we love Jesus with Italian blood. We are loud. We're excited. We are thankful. And you came to a very, very beautiful service. For the last three and a half years, we have been talking about our faith as not merely a belief system, but Jesus. He never went around telling people, believe in me or you'll be in hell forever. Which is a reality of rejecting Christ. But Jesus said these words, follow me. And in the following, he said, I will teach you the gentle rhythms of grace. And I will teach you how to live. So the postures and the, the obedient, attentive heart will come from the inner working of God's Spirit. And we've been saying that our desire is to not only have a cognitive belief in Christ, but as a community begin to inhabit the expression and the practice of our faith in a tangible way. We've been speaking about the table of the Lord. For some of you, you know it as communion. Others know it as the Eucharist, which means thankfulness. And we can understand that the table of the Lord, as you and I have experienced it probably in our attending of church or mass, has a certain expression that sometimes carries no more than a three-minute slot that really, truly um, is a thin slice of what we understand the table of the Lord to be. And I want to encourage you to catch the message of last week. As we talked about the table, that was a meal with many implications. That meal was one where people gathered where Christ promised that his presence would be in and at the center of that table. As we are gathering here today, I want to remind you that God's presence is here and we are sitting under the kingdom of God and his domain. The Bible says Jesus is the head of the church. And as we sit at the table, we are reminded to remember what Christ has done. And today we are going to go through a practice and an expression of that practice that's going to call for a new muscle and participation in each of us. Because, you know, sometimes we have the posture of observation, evaluation, and internal conversation. But the longer we attain church, the more often we have a posture of observation, can I use this word? Projection 
that we are here, but our minds, you know, I was, I don't have to say where I was, right? And the lady said to me, I can't help you right now. Um, my hand is asleep. I go like, oh, that's how I got through church. As a kid, I would sit on my one leg, make it totally numb, and then the tingling feeling, and I do the other leg, and then the tingling feeling, and that's how long the service takes. That's how I worked out how long I still got to sit here. Because there was a certain timing and practice. But today, as we are going to participate, I want to encourage you to, everybody that's on the left-hand side of your seat, uh, you're going to find a bucket, and I would love for you to pass the bucket and take out one of these cards, a communion cup and a pen. Because all of us are going to need it. So on the left-hand side, just pass it and make sure that everyone has one of these and those who are joining us online, you can download this very beautiful uh, participatory interactive card online. Because today we're going to go through the table of the Lord in a different kind of way. And I'm going to encourage you to, to participate. Otherwise, the service is going to be one that you go from and go like, man, that was just weird. But I truly believe, as I, we experienced it in the previous service, as people leaned in, it was incredibly meaningful as people participated in this. So I want to make sure that everybody has a communion cup. You have one of these, and you have a pen. But before we continue with that, we can dim the house lights a little bit down. We're going to take a moment. You know that there is so much pain in the world right now, especially in the Middle East with Israel, Palestine, the Palestinians, ordinary people that are caught up in a complex historical conflict. And we, as we sit in the kingdom of God, we side with heaven's perspective over humanity that God loves all people. God does not love some. He doesn't get involved in the politics. God has compassion for God so loved the world that he sent his son. And the danger is that we watch so many reports and TikTok opinions that we form an opinion where we fall out of God's perspective of love and compassion. And now we begin to side with and against. And today I want to align us under God's love for a broken world. And we're going to take just a moment to close our eyes and pray for the peace, the protection, the God of comfort, the God of love in that region over people who have suffered loss and pain. So right where you are, would you just bow your head and just whisper the best prayer you have from heaven's perspective.
God of mercy, God of grace. We gather in this building as sons and daughters of God. Father, you said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. I pray that in this season, you will protect our hearts, that we will not be colonized by an opinion, but that we will side with heaven and pray for peace. God, that our hearts will be secure to see the world through your eyes. We pray for the Israeli and the Palestinian people. We pray for those who are caught up in pain and suffering. We pray for those with a mission to disrupt, to bring harm and damage. God, hear our prayer. Heal the world around us. And in the midst of all this chaos and confusion, we pray that the, the eyes of humanity will be turned towards you. For where else can our help come from? Father, I pray that we would always be a people that side with God's love for humanity. Help us to not just become another opinion of division, accusation, and pain. Heal the world. Bring peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we sit here, if you have, I actually need to help us get more people in. I'm going to ask if you guys on the retractable seats, if you can move to the center. Oh, if you see any opening in your row that you move to the center so that all the beautiful people that are waiting to come in can find a seat and they can, on the right-hand side, there's seats. So you guys can just look around and there's going to be seats. Thank you so much for moving. What a joy to make seats. What a joy. So the way that we can participate in this moment is to be present. Being present is such a beautiful thing, but it's so hard. Being present is to keep your attention in this moment. Where am I here? What time is it now? Nothing else beyond this moment matters. To open your heart, your senses, your hearing, your seeing, your smelling, your awareness, because God through the Holy Spirit is in this place. And the first thing we're going to do is open this little booklet, and we're going to go through this, and there's going to be a song that we're going to sing in here, and there's going to be a call to participate in reflection and action. The first thing that Jesus said about the table, he says, as often as you come together, remember. Do this in remembrance of me. Remembering is not a cognitive recalling of historical facts. The Hebrew word is to inhabit that moment, to place yourself in that moment. Now, when we see the question, what am I grateful for? I can go like I'm grateful for my wife, my kids, the house, the two dogs, 
that takes a lot of my time. I'm thankful for freedom, but that's not what Jesus asks us to be reminded of. He wants us to be reminded when we were enemies of God because of our wrongdoing. When we were yet lost, God sent His Son. The only way that we could ever receive forgiveness is to pay the price for sin, which is death. That's why Jesus came and He died in our place. The Bible says the arrest warrant that was against you and me was nailed to the cross, was fully paid. In that way, we the guilty can walk away free because it was our sin that nailed him to the cross. And if we think about that, what are you thankful for? I'm thankful for God's love. I'm thankful that he's slow to anger. He's rich in love. I'm thankful that even if I drift and wander, he is faithful. We're going to sing a beautiful song together, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to sit back and to embody what you are thankful for, that God did for you through sending Jesus. So in this moment, let's just sing this beautiful song together. You've been so, so good to me. Come on, let's sing a church. Oh, you've been so, so good to me. And oh, to think where I would be if not for you, if not for you. Let's sing it. You've been so, so good to me. Been so good. You've been so, so good to me. And don't you think where I would be if not for you? If not. Just one more time. You've been so good, God. Been so so good to me. Oh, you've been so so good to me. And don't you think where I would be if not for you? If not, if not for you, if not. they sing the song, won't you take a moment and just begin to write down what you are thankful for in this moment.
when we sit at the table of God. And I want to acknowledge that there are so many families that are here for child dedication, and we are so grateful that at the end of the service, we'll be able to celebrate that with you. But as we sit at the table of God, we are sitting under His kingdom. Now, the kingdom of God is a paradox because it does not work like the world's culture and kingdom. He says, if you want to be great, learn to be a servant. He says, if somebody comes against you, turn the other cheek. These are hard things. And so often we adopt the ways of our culture as the norm for our existence. But in this moment, Scripture says, Paul says three times, examine your own self. That you don't come to the table in the kingdom of God carrying your will your way. He says if you do that and not acknowledging God and His kingdom and partake of what God's kingdom provides for you. He says that's why some of you are sick, weak, and some of you have died. He says, but when you examine yourself, God's grace is there for you. So in this moment, while they sing an next song, I want to invite you, I invite you to ask, God, what in my life needs to be aligned with your way of thinking and seeing the world? Now, you're not going to hear an audible voice, but I believe that if you ask that, you're going to have a thought that you did not have a moment ago I encourage you to simply write it down with curiosity not to say no 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 I don't agree with that because you're gonna take this home and I believe the Holy Spirit will bring you back to these things simply ask the question so while they sing the song won't you just say Holy Spirit show me what needs to be a line in my life and priorities and values and perspective and while they sing the song just take a moment to write down the thoughts that you did not have a moment before so holy spirit make me more like jesus every day a little more like jesus crucify my flesh wheels and my new life might be secure so everything I do is done so I can honor you. Lord, resurrect me, sanctify, make me into your image. Oh, like you, yeah. That's like you. That's like you. So, Holy Spirit, make me more like Jesus every day. So I can honor you Resurrect me, sanctify Make me into your image Now Jesus says when you come to the table The one that sits at the table opens his arms 
And he says, if you have sinned, come boldly to a throne of grace. Because my God is merciful and kind. And if you acknowledge your sin, he will forgive you, cleanse you, remove guilt and shame. Oh, this is so beautiful. And cast your sin from you as far as the east is from the west and never think of it again. Now, when we think about sin, I think everybody gets nervous right now and go like, how do I do this right now? How do I write down anything? But you see, for me, it's not the act of sin as much as the acknowledgement of the habitual things that we say, God, forgive me that I give myself to entanglements. I give myself to drifting. I don't resist this heart. I have a casual resistance with things that does not please you. And I just bank on forgiveness and do it again. God, I acknowledge that maybe I'm weak-willed, weak-committed to please you. Ask the Holy Spirit, please point to the things that I just need to acknowledge. God, I need forgiveness for you to remove the guilt and the shame that always makes me feel there's distance between us. But before we do, let's just sing this beautiful song. is that sing it, why don't you write down as you reflect on your life God, I need forgiveness help over these things Jesus told a story of a man who owed his master a large sum of money. In the Bible days, when you owe somebody money, 
you're indebted to them, you can't say, I'm bankrupt, speak to the moon. They put you in prison. They sell your property, even your children into slavery to repay that debt. And you remain in prison or become a slave to your, the person you're indebted to. And the Bible says this man that owed so much fell on his knees and he says, I cannot repay you. Please have mercy on me. The Bible says, and his master had such great compassion on this man. He says, I'm going to forgive all your indebtedness. You can walk out of here a free man and think of it no more. The Bible says as he walked out joyful, he encountered somebody that owed him little. And that man came to him and says, I am unable to pay you. And he says, throw him in prison, sell his belongings, sell his children. The master heard of what just happened and he called this man back. And he says, why is it that I was willing to forgive you so much? But you didn't pay that forward to someone who forgive, owed you so little. And the master changed his heart towards this man. You see, church, when we talk about forgiveness, the Lord's Prayer says, forgive me my debt as I forgive those who were indebted to me. Now, we all sit here with various kinds of pain. And some of you, such wrong has been done to you. This is hard for you to imagine. But I want to remind you that forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a decision. I remember going through a lot of relational pain and every day I said, God, I forgive, I forgive. It was two years, but every time I say forgive, I can see the faces of those who I feel have done wrong. And when we are in pain, we don't even understand our part in that pain. And I was sitting at Starbucks, and I said, God, I've been praying this for two years. Why is this not going away? And I heard this not audibly in my heart. What do they owe you? I go like, oh, public, public apology with lots of tears. A trip to a Y at least. Uh, washing my car once a week. I can go through a whole list because what I'm writing out is my right to victim's compensation in my opinion. And then I heard this. Can you forgive and cancel what you think is owed to you? I remember looking at that, I go like, you mean no public opinion, no public apology, no trip to Hawaii, none of that? I remember writing down on my, in my journal, I cancel all this debt, even though I think I deserve it. In that moment when anybody asked me, what do I owe you for what I've done to you? No, I have canceled what I think you owe me. The moment we forget how much we have been forgiven and how much we require forgiveness in the future. 
It's far disproportional to what can ever be done to us. But we don't measure that. In order to have forgiveness, we have to cancel indebtedness with the help of God. So as you sit here, number four, ask this question. Who do I need to cancel their debt even though they hurt me? Some of you abused you. It's not emotion. It's a decision to receive grace. I have to give grace. So just close your eyes and ask God, show me the faces and the names. And write it down. And ask God to give you the grace to write cancel debt. Hallelujah. Oh, I live my life in remembrance. Hallelujah. Your promise out. Sing it one more time. Hallelujah. we go to the last one, number five. The table always points to renewal. God's kingdom at work through us. When to whom can I extend generosity? Generosity, as I shared with the last service, parents understand that there is a tipping point with their children and it's got nothing to do with age. It's got to do with an understanding of maturity that it's no longer about your needs. Because you see, your children can always have taking hands. And when they visit you, it's always about their problems, about what they need. There comes a point when they no longer arrive with empty hands. They say, we want to come and bring something. They ask, how are you? What can I do for you? And when we don't have a spirit of generosity, it's always about us. Every song is about us. I need, I need, I need. And in every conversation, it's about us. And we hold and we want and we are always in lack. But there is a point where you understand that you are now the conduit through which God wants to show love and grace 
that you're not the one waiting for encouragement, that God actually want to use your word in a generous way to give encouragement. That you no longer say, nobody loves me, but now you choose to generous, generously, lavishly love others because they need it more than you think you need it. The question is, God, in my life, show me the faces of people that you want to use me as your voice, your hands of love, your feet of goodness. God, that generosity in me is your will to touch their lives because I may be the only Jesus they will see because God works through ordinary people. So in this moment, just close your eyes and say, God, show me the people in my world that you want to use me to encourage, to help, to walk alongside. Give me a generous spirit. I give myself away. Oh, I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. myself I want to invite you to put this in your pocket, in your handbag. This is private, and I, I encourage you that you will keep this and be curious about this journey. And I encourage you to stand with me and take this communion cup. You don't have to be part of the Father's house to participate. I believe this journey here prepared you for this moment, and we're going to do this a little different. So don't be in automation now. I want to encourage you to open the cellophane and don't touch the wafer. Just open the cellophane. What makes something a meal is where we share the meal. I want to encourage you to turn to somebody and offer them your wafer and you take their wafer in sharing this beautiful moment and what Christ has done for us. Just turn to somebody and take that wafer. Let me remind you what this is. Jesus says, this is my body that was broken for you. He was wounded for our transgressions. And we remember this in gratitude and thankfulness that it's his death that makes us family and children of God. Let's eat this together. Now slowly pull away the 
the foil part. Don't touch the lip of the cup. Turn to somebody else and exchange cups with him. Jesus says, this is my blood. Blood of forgiveness. Blood of grace. And a new covenant in my name. That you don't have to work for forgiveness, earn it. You don't have to carry sin and shame. That his blood washes us and cleanses us. And it promises us that he will return. Even though it sounds bizarre, weird, and our minds go like, what does that even mean? He promised he will return. That's a covenantal promise. So let's drink together and remember that it's his death and his blood that gave us life. Now let's just stand like this. And from the purest place of gratitude, we can dim the house lights. Let's just take just two minutes and say, Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. Come on, you sing it. You're all together lovely, all together Altogether wonderful to just a little louder, sing it. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together. All together wonder. Let's remind ourselves. I never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. I never know. How much it come on to see my sin upon oh I never I never oh I never know how much it comes to see my sin upon invite you to extend your hands and surrender. Say, that's why here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely. All together worthy. All together.
Here is the beautiful part. By inviting God's kingdom into the lives of those that is our family. Bible says, carry each other's burden and so fulfill the commandment of love. So what I want to encourage you, don't freak out. I'm going to help you. I'm not going to put you in a tough spot. Just tell the person next to you your name and get theirs, would you? Just say, hey, I'm Pierre, what's yours? Just tell them name. Okay. All right. So this is what we're going to do. Okay, look at me. Look at me. This is going to be so beautiful. For 30 seconds. For 30 seconds. Some of you pray in a whisper. Other people pray in their heads. When I married my wife, she says, I pray in my heart. I want you to take a moment and just mention their name before God the best way you know how and ask God to bless them, help them, open their eyes so they will experience Jesus a new way. Just for 30 seconds, let's close our eyes and pray for the names of the two people standing next to us. God praying for every beautiful person in this place, those who are joining us online. That your kindness and grace will be extended to them in a new way. Oh, that your love will overflow in a magnificent way in their life. That your kingdom come. Oh, heal. Intervene. Let your kindness be with them. Bless them. Bless them, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, here's the final thing. I want you to turn to them and say, peace be to you. And then they reply, and to you. And then you can take your seats. How beautiful was that experience right there? I am so excited. I know this is a new thing for you. But I truly believe to embody what Jesus taught us. I know you're wondering, what are we doing right now? This is like ringly circus going on right here. Oh, here we go. I want to tell you a parable real quick before we have this beautiful moment to dedicate children to God. And I want to thank all the families that are here that are possibly new to this or observing this for just being here in this beautiful moment with us. You know, Jesus told parables because he said, you don't understand spiritual things because spiritual things is understand by a spiritual mind and only when God's at work in you will faith grow in you and spiritual things will become clear to you. Then he told simple stories that are not true, that is natural and understanding to make a point. So here's a parable that's not in the Bible. I'm making this up as I go. And it's about generosity. But you've got to play parable music. There was a man named John. John was an ordinary guy like you and I. He had a job 
He worked hard. He had a wife and two kids. He arrived at home exhausted. And then he had to take care of his wife and his kids and life. But John's life became isolated. After a few years, he and his wife naturally began to feel the the tension of disagreement because life takes so much, the kids take so much. John would often find himself in isolation, alone, wondering what is the meaning of life. But then John got an invite from a colleague. His name was Abe. Now Abe had the same experience. But Abe experienced an intervention by somebody inviting him to a pizza party. He was reluctant to go because he didn't trust people. He's been disappointed. But what Abe didn't understand, or what Abe didn't understand is that the person that was doing this pizza party experienced a transformation of life. He went to the pizza party, and when he got there, the hospitality was just so lavish. They didn't ask him for nothing. Oh, when he entered through the door, he received hugs and introduction. He goes like, what is this, a cult, a fake group? What is this? Nobody is this kind. When the pizza arrived, it was big boxes of pizza, and everybody waited on him. And he just felt so included in all of this. And it wasn't about the pizza. It wasn't about the football. It was about the people that just loved him. So he was transformed with his family. Because you see, the next week he got an invite for his wife and his children. And he said, honey, we've got to go. She says, I don't like strange people. And I hate football. She says, honey, it's not even about that. What I experienced is I was seen. I was loved. I feel hopeful that this community is not asking anything of me. And as his wife went, they begin to experience the same thing and it transformed them totally. And then they realized that this community was filled with a mission where they have been transformed by the love of God and it was no longer an intangible thing was no longer a belief thing. It was a living thing of being accepted and loved and discovering God and their goodness. So Abe said to his wife, baby, why don't we do the same thing? So Abe and his wife, they decided they're going to take the risk. And they sent an invite to John. And John came. And John was there for pizza. And so was Dan. So was this guy called Chris. I know you, Josh, but this is a parable, remember? So was this other guy that they brought with. And Abe was so excited. He says, honey, look at all these beautiful people that's here. And week after week, and after week after week, they do it. And then his wife sat him down. She says, baby, we can't keep doing this because we can't afford so much pizza. We can't entertain people and love people. We are running out of money to do this. And he says, but what if I 
go to Dan and I say, Dan, you've experienced the work of God in you. You know what it feels like to be on the outside of this and now you've come in and you are almost like family to what God is doing. Dan, what about you participate in providing for what helps us to keep doing this? So Dan decided to take one step over and he says, you know what, I, I, I can give a little bit. And we go like, okay, we can do it for one more week. And then we realize, oh gosh, um, let, let's ask Chris that's been here for, for four months if he would participate in this. And, and all of a sudden, he goes like, dude, why don't we all just give a little bit more? And now my wife says, baby, we can do this for another six months. We can do this for a year. We can even invite people because when we all provide in what it takes to bring hospitality and invite, and we don't say, hey, if you want to come to us, you've got to pay that kind of money. We can bring the world to this place of acceptance and God's invite to the world can continue. But you see, if Chris over there decided, no, I knew you guys are all about money. All of a sudden, now it tips. I look at Dan and I go like, dudes, you and me, are we going to give more? Because those guys ain't giving. And at which point do we say, if you guys don't move, I'm not asking you to come here because you see, people who are here, and there are many families in the church, my family is one. I absolutely believe that God says the first 10% of my income, my wife's income, is His. That's how He does this. It's not even a question. Because I believe God says the first 10% of that is mine because it anchors your heart. Where your treasure is, where your heart is. And then I will bless the other 90% and I will use this 10% to provide for what is needed. But if I go to Josh over there and I go like, hey, Chris, you've got to give 10%. He goes like, I ain't going to give 10% for this pizza party. I don't even like your pizza. Because he's not in that place. But if I say, hey, I'm not asking you to stand here. If you're a friend of this house and your family and life is being impacted by this and you understand in order for more to participate in what's happening here. It's not about the pizza, but pizza cost. It's not about the electricity, but all of that adds up. Just move one step. Because if everybody moves one step, more people can invite, be invited without an obligation of nothing but to be loved. So today I'm speaking in this parable to us as a church family. How long have you participated in the house, but you still call yourself a guest? And all I can tell you is your pastor, we can only do as much as we can with those who are willing to take one step and participate to what you feel in your heart is possible. Else, if we all become scared, 
and we all say, oh, God's going to provide. God's going to provide. God's going to provide. Then why do you work if God's going to provide? Oh, we don't have to pay our mortgage. God's going to provide. How long before foreclosure? How long before? Like many churches in the United States are closing because they can no longer afford it because there's no club membership. There's willingness to take one step. Somebody said to me, Pastor P, I would love to give, but I'm committed to Lollipop Farm. I go like, oh, I love Lollipop Farm. But maybe you should find a couple of atheists that can give to Lollipop Farm because they ain't going to give to the kingdom of God. They're not going to give to make room because there's so much that God's kingdom can still do but only through our willingness to take one step. This is a parable. This is not manipulation. This is a simple story with logic that asks the question, what are you willing to do for what you have received in order to provide for those that God wants to invite in so that together the work of Jesus can create more space and more hope in our world. So, Father, I pray in this simple story that we will not only feel it in the moment, but we will make a commitment of our heart that whenever we arrive, that we have a resolve in our heart that we will give something towards making room, knowing that you will bless knowing that you've given us a kingdom heart. Thank you for a willingness to teach us generosity. In Jesus' name, amen.